I'm your host, Heather Cook, and I'm here with Pastor Jeremy Berry. Sorry. Yeah, no. (laughs) Got got a little excited. I don't even know. I was going to say he jumped the gun, but the term left me for a second, and I don't know what I was going to say. So um, Jeremy and I are here today, and we have a special guest, and we are here with Miss Shelley, and she is our trauma specialist. Um, So we promised you guys that we would talk about grief, and we would talk about trauma. So Miss Shelley, I'm going to pass the mic to you and let you kind of tell us who you are, who you work with, what your specialty is, and all that good stuff. Well, thanks for having me. Uh, My name is Shelley Coleman, and I work with um, Cabell Huntington Hospital's Outpatient Counseling Center. Um, I've been a licensed professional counselor for a while, um, specializing in marriage and family predominantly. And one of the things that led us to myself and one of my colleagues to find some training um, specifically in trauma was because we were seeing how a lot of our folks could only get so far in the therapy that we were doing and then we were hitting these blocks and one of the things that um, became apparent that was that um, these blocks had a lot to do with traumatic experiences and so after researching some of the most current modalities, we decided on somatic experiencing, which is um, a model that's been in the um, development stages for decades now um, by a man um, named Peter Levine, and he has several fancy titles, all of which I'm not exactly <laughs> sure what they are. I'm pretty sure he has two doctorates and um possibly a medical background I don't know um but with that said um I am in my close to the end of my intermediate year of training it's a three-year training so 2020 will take me into my advanced year and it has been um a really productive learning process and helped us to really break through um with a lot of our folks um that have been struggling with traumatic experiences that have blocked the, the counseling process. Awesome. So have you been with Cabell all those three years? Mm-hmm. That you, okay, yeah. awesome. Yeah. Do you plan to stay there? I do. Unless yeah. you get a better offer? <laughs> no, if, any, if anybody wants to hire Shelly. Um, <laughs> they're a great uh, organization, so. Well, no, <laughs> I, uh, I have no, I've heard nothing but great things um, about Cabell Counseling Services, yeah. and I actually have a friend um, who I grew up with in Logan. She's a year, mm-hmm. She was a year behind me in school, Jessica Bradley. Mm-hmm. Um, she um, does a lot of um, children's counseling through Cabell, okay. through Marshall Counseling Services, and... Um, but I've heard nothing but good things about you. And I even had um, a close a friend of mine who messaged me and said that um, he saw you and he had nothing but great things to say about you as a counselor and a person. So, and it wasn't Jeremy. Um, so, so you come highly recommended from two people. Um, well, that's always nice. No, we're, we're really excited to have you here. So, um, so Shelly, I told you before we started recording um, that... Um, with the other podcasts that we have done, mm-hmm. I've kind of sourced um, social media to. Um, what did I just say? Sourced. Yeah, sourced. Oh, okay. Using I was questions. like, I was like, what just came out of my mouth? <laughs> um, I I don't know what just uh, that happened. Okay, so I sourced uh, social media to kind of um, just get questions from friends and family members and stuff um, because a lot. I think a lot of people have questions about mental mm-hmm. health issues. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I think a lot of people, because of our culture, mm-hmm. because of family um, dynamics. Yeah. Um, I, yeah think, I, see, I think even a misunderstanding of what scripture says about mental yes, health. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's such a stigma about mental health. Yeah. Um, so I had ze- I had one friend who texted me a question, and um, it really wasn't a question, and um, it was kind of like I struggle I struggle with this, um, mm-hmm. and, but I appreciate you, friend, and I um, thank you for texting me that. But um, we ha- I had zero questions mm-hmm. specific about yeah. trauma, yeah, which was um, surprising to me. I told you that, and um, and you know some of the things that we just said. I think it's because of the stigma of uh, mental health, and when people think about trauma, mm-hmm. they don't really. I think they either overthink it or underthink it. Yeah. Um, so tell us what trauma is. Yeah. Um, you know, you're bringing up a lot of really important points. Um, I don't know that there's really a good textbook definition for what trauma is. Um, I think we've tried to, um, play around with the idea that maybe it's on a spectrum. There's been some, um, points in the profession where we've even come up with labels like big T and little T trauma, we're kind of moving away from that. Um, one of the things, in fact, I brought with me a a definition from Peter Levine, if it's okay, I'll just read his definition and we can kind of, um, talk about it from there. Um, so he says that trauma originates as a response in the nervous system, not in the, it does not originate in the event. So trauma is in the nervous system, not in the event. And I think if, if folks understood that a little bit better, um, that might make a little more sense because I think sometimes we think of trauma as an event. Yeah. So if I haven't been through something extremely catastrophic or extremely troubling, either in my childhood or as an adult, then maybe I've never experienced trauma. And that's what we're understanding, what we're finding out through the research is not true. Because the other reality is you can have two people that may go through something that may be seemingly benign, such as a fender bender. One person walks away and can't get behind the wheel of the car again, can't understand why. All of a sudden, now there's this trauma response to driving. The other person, it's as though it never happened. And there is a little bit of um, research out there that's beginning to look at uh, the idea of resiliency. Um, but even that is ambiguous at this point. Um, and so when it, it comes to working with trauma, um, that's why we really needed to branch out into field, um, fields like neuroscience to begin to understand, um, what's happening in the nervous system that's creating these stuck points for some folks, whereas other people don't seem to be having those symptoms. That's good. So I'm curious, um, where you have, um, when, when, when it, it's funny because you had mentioned that, that it's not an event, right? So when we say, I, some people say I've never had a traumatic event, mm-hmm. you're, you're saying, I'm trying, to, I'm trying to wrap my head around yeah. what you're saying. So it's not the event, it's the response yeah. to, the, to the event. Yeah. So, so it's interesting because, well, so I've seen Shelly for counseling, right, for, for, for trauma counseling. And so one, one of the things that I think that where that hits home, right, is, uh, and, and I won't go into to my stuff, um, but but when it comes to the event versus even the response yeah. to the event, uh, me opening up to other people. Uh, I mean, I, I guess I'm, I'm trying to think like it was it really wasn't the event right. that, that was just as traumatic. Yeah. 
Yeah. That, but that wasn't really the, the – I'm sorry to be somewhat cryptic, but it wasn't really the, the response. It wasn't so much an event as it was just a elongated period, but it's right. still, a, still a response to right. it, I guess. So yeah. can, can, can you explain uh, when, it, when it comes to – I'm trying to remember what, what you called it, but, but you had talked about a book that said the body – it's the body mm-hmm. keep score? Is that what it is? Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay, and, and you had – I remember you talking – you talked a lot about um, – the different parts of the brain mm-hmm. that kind of keeps memory and all that sure. stuff. I, I, I always find this absolutely intriguing. Yeah. So what I said earlier is we're branching out, we're looking into the field of neuroscience. The book that you're referencing is by Bessel van der Kolk. He's one of the leading trauma researchers, researchers of our time right now. He has uh, tended to a little bit to, more towards EMDR, um, whereas Peter Levine's model um, is a little bit different. Um, Peter's model works a lot more with um, the somatic nuances of the the body and the nervous system. In I don't know which came first. Actually, I think Peter's been working on his model for decades. But more recently, there's um, a researcher named Stephen Porges who came out with um, or who's proposed what he calls the polyvagal nerve theory, and that's what you're talking about, Jeremy. Yeah. yeah. So, um, again, Stephen Porges' work has looked at um, the reality that we have a vagus nerve that runs from the brainstem down through our gut. And they've been able to understand that the mammalian brain is different from the reptilian brain in that the mammalian brain has a myelinated vagus nerve or vagal nerve um, that reptiles don't have. And what that means is that as humans and as mammals, we have the capacity for social connection, whereas reptiles don't have that. And that actually is the first line of defense for protecting us against traumatic experiences, which means if I can look at my caregiver and I can make eye contact and those neurons light up in my brain, my nervous system is going to find its way to ease and to healing. If I can't find that, if I'm alone, if I'm isolated, then my sympathetic nervous system is going to activate. I'm going to go into a fight or flight response. If I stay there too long and I'm mobilized to fight or flight, and yet I can't fight or flight the perceived threat, that's when the dorsal vagus nerve that Porges talks about is employed, and it's almost like an emergency brake comes on, and I go into almost a, um, a hypo-aroused state. So it, it looks possibly on the outside like I'm at ease, but it's really a frozen response. Mm. And it's it's kind of that, um, you know, if all else fails, uh, play possum, right? Mm-hmm. And you, so you shut down in order to survive. Yeah. Huh. Uh, yeah. I don't know if you have any questions, because I have tons of questions. No, I'm just thinking... <laughs> I'm just thinking that we're going to have to write Shelly a big check because Jeremy and I, um, (laughs) (laughs) Jeremy and I are in counseling session and, um, you know, he, um, he's asking questions and I'm like, flight or freeze. Like that's, that was some of my training in counseling and you were talking about lizard brain and, you know, I'm like, yes, I know this stuff. So, um, no, you go ahead with your question. I'm like, sure. Yeah. So, so I, so for a long time, I mean, again, I, I, uh, I'm, I'm, I'll stay away from my personal stuff because you said it's not about me, and I don't. Even, I couldn't even make it through if I tried. Just, like uh, we're going to write her a check. Right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but, 
But when it comes to why, why is it that, that so many people, and maybe specifically people in the church, yeah, um, don't address, they, they go through something traumatic yeah. and maybe they're scared yeah, to, to, to address that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, again, you can't see trauma. You can't see the nervous system, you know? Right. So unfortunately, I think what happens a lot of times, uh, for folks who have endured trauma, as one of my trainers says, um, her definition is trauma is, um, something, or it's a state of, um, where someone has endured more than most. Um, and because it's the way that the body is trying to manage all of that sympathetic charge that it had to hold because there was no way to process it and it continues, you can't see it. Right. And so folks who are struggling with trauma can be sitting in church and hearing the pastor talk about faith and talk about the peace that passes understanding and feel a tremendous shame because my biology is functioning the way it's supposed to function because it's supposed to protect me from overwhelm. And yet it doesn't feel good. I feel scared. I feel worried. I feel anxious. I feel angry. I feel numb. I feel depressed. And my, my body, my nervous system is working really hard to protect me and to keep me safe but it's also getting in the way of me being able to feel ease and to enjoy personal connection and social connection. And what I'm hearing right in the church is that I just need to try harder, do more, read my Bible, pray, but it's in my biology. And so the reality is I need support from perhaps a wiser, stronger other that I didn't have as a child or that I didn't have when I was enduring a traumatic situation that can walk me through that and help my nervous system to uh, rewire or renegotiate is what Peter Levine would say to renegotiate that trauma, traumatic experience. No, when, when people have, have trauma, you, you'd mentioned, um, and again, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, truly, this is like one of those areas where I'm like, it's just a mystery to me. Um, you know, but, but I can speak for myself. There, it's, it's, it's interesting because, you know, for, for me, it was very much, um, kind of like building up a wall and then like, mm-hmm. just don't get near it. Right. So it wasn't as, it's not like maybe depression to where I can felt mm-hmm. it daily. It was one of those things where, yeah. okay, I'm going to build something up around this area of my life and then walk away slowly. And then like now it's, yeah. no one can see that it. it's, it's, yeah, it, right. and so like, and, and really it, it isn't, um, and when it rears its ugly head, you know, you, mm-hmm. you, you deal with it yeah. um, the best you know how. Right. Now, so I'm, I'm, this is what I'm curious about. What are some ways that, that people deal with trauma? Yeah. Maybe some unhealthy ways. Yeah. Well, one of the things you're talking about right now, um, there's a misconception around depression. Yeah. Depression, the cure for depression is sadness. People are often sometimes surprised. They think depression, sadness are the same thing. No, depression is is disowning, and and um, it, it's when sadness is intolerable or not acceptable, and so I I split off from that, or I keep it held inside my nervous system, and it's not intentional. Again, we're talking about the amygdala, mm-hmm. part of the limbic brain that responds to overwhelming threat. Mm-hmm. So when you're talking about the wall, Jeremy, that is depression. Okay. When people put up those walls and go into a, a state of numb, yeah. that's depression. That's the freeze response. Yeah. 
And again, it's our biology. So it's not something we're doing on purpose. It's the amygdala saying, you know what? Fight didn't work. Flight's not going to work. I better shut down or I'm going to die. Yeah. And that's literally... It becomes a, like a coping mechanism. Absolutely. Like that's what you have to do to survive. Yeah. Um, it's like a survival skill. Yeah. Um, and and I'm, I, that was uh, yeah. that was my favorite um, yeah. state to be in was freeze. Freeze. Yeah. yeah. Because it was just, you can just numb out. And yet, yeah. Um, but it, so let's talk about how unhealthy is it, though, to like stay in that well, forever? I mean, so here's here's another thing that I've learned in my training is um, I like the word maybe not helpful rather than unhealthy, just because we got to think about these coping strategies also as survival, yeah. right? Yeah, and so, yeah. yeah, so it's not necessarily that. Again, it's not intentional. And my biology is putting me in these states of either high sympathetic arousal, which is where I'm going to either experience um, anxiety and panic attacks or anger and anger outbursts. Folks that say they have anger problems really need some support for that part that's getting overly activated. Um, Or depression or shutting down, right? Again, those are coping strategies that historically have helped keep me alive. So in and of itself, you know, I want to be careful with the language because, again, that's what plays a part, plays a role in creating that shame yeah. around yeah, these absolutely. experiences. So shame and trauma go hand in hand? Absolutely. Is, is, that, is that across absolutely. the... Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know that you're going to find a trauma survivor that doesn't know shame. And yeah. shame is just such a soup of emotion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so... Again, it's going into that complexity. And, you know, you you and I talked about, I, I had said this to you before we started recording. Um, I think with with trauma, yeah, people either because of the shame or just because they know that, you know, some things, ha- some worse things have happened to other people. Yeah. yeah. Like they don't acknowledge things in their life as trauma. Yeah. And that was really hard for me for a really sure. long time because, yeah. you know, I had a roof over my head. I had mm-hmm. food to eat and mm-hmm. I had clothes to wear. And, um, you know, even though I had a very dysfunctional family, I had a family and I had a church family who loved mm-hmm. me. And, you know, I didn't I didn't go without things. Right. But it took a really long time for me. And I'm talking, you know, I'm 31 years old and I'm talking like probably just the last year or so for me to be able to mm-hmm. say, you know, I had a traumatic childhood. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and, and I think that that's, uh, you, you know, the shame that you talked yeah. about, like, I think a lot of that, I think shame comes into that a lot of mm-hmm. times. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, I mean, it's just crazy how yeah. much. Well, and when you think about it, you know, the shame part can come from the, the isolating effects of trauma, right? Yeah. So we're talking about biological, um, coping strategies yeah. that also isolate us from connection. And so, um, I myself am a trauma survivor, and I know when I was in that traumatic part of my life, um, I felt extremely isolated, disconnected, um, nobody understood, and, you know, the, to some degree that was true, but, you know, since I've had my own trauma recovery, I've come to understand um, that there are a lot of people out there that do understand. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and and even after you've been away from the traumatic 
maybe the, the traumatic impact or the traumatic experience, that's where we have the PTSD, right, the post-traumatic stress, because the biology is still responding to cues in the environment. And I think one of the things I heard you saying, Jeremy, was maybe what are some more adaptive ways we can learn, mm-hmm. yeah. right, because the the shame is around I'm not functioning the way I see everyone else functioning, Yeah. right? I can't sleep at night. Um, I can't get close to the people that I love. Mm-hmm. I have panic attacks, right? So there's these shame shaming uh, experiences that are happening on the inside, and yet... No matter how hard I pray, no matter how much I read my Bible, I, those things don't seem to change. So my body's continuing to go through these cycles of trying to keep me safe, but it's also reinforcing, right, my, you know, the shame messages, and it's not pleasant. I mean, you know, like you were saying, freeze can be, it can feel really safe. And, you know, some people say they love to be in freeze, <laughs> Right, because it's a way to keep me. Freeze is an easy way. It's it's it easy. Can be. Yeah, it, yeah. It can be can in there, be. and it can be easy to kind of just shut down and yeah. disappear and get yeah. invisible. Right. Yeah. Um, but what's the opposite side of that coin? Is also keeps me from intimacy and closeness and being Absolutely. known. Yeah. Right. The very things that we were created for. Yeah. So when you when you say that it's it's our body trying to keep us safe, um, you're, you're saying that the traumatic experience. It, it rewires things yeah. in the brain. So yeah. it's, it's the way someone is responding or reacting to things, or maybe the way they do certain things. And I've heard yeah. you say this uh, in counseling before, but you say, let's not make meaning out of things. Right. So, so I, I want to connect those dots because mm-hmm. it, it's really inter- interesting how, how trauma can impact deeply who we are without even us realizing it mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And, and make us, but at the same time, not to make meaning out of things. I mean, I'm yeah. trying, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. It, it seems it seems very easy to do to say, okay, sure. I'm going to make meaning out of things that, that maybe I shouldn't. Mm-hmm. But um, while at the same time, re- maybe realizing the fact that your trauma has impacted you at a deep root level, maybe. Yeah. Um, that yeah. It's, it's hard even maybe to, to piece apart yeah. what's not been impacted. Sure. I, yeah. I don't know if that's... I, mean, I think... I think we don't realize how deeply it can it does impact us until you know um I think for me personally like you know I've been doing counseling personal counseling almost two years and um when I feel like I'm doing good mm-hmm. and yeah. you know hey I've worked through a lot of stuff like mm-hmm. my counselor's like okay let's work on this and I'm like crap I thought I, was, <laughs> I thought I was doing good and then you know so you don't realize how deeply it impacts you in your in relationships mm-hmm. um in you know at work and home sure yeah. um well, yeah. well like how you cope with things yeah i mean like uh i mean it's interesting like i look at my own behavior what i get mad about what i fear yeah all of this stuff and 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 so this is this is where i'm, I'm curious and maybe mm-hmm. i'd love to hear what you think when, when you say don't make meaning out of things yeah. what, what's the purpose behind that and what's what's the maybe the danger of making meaning out of things yeah. that for for a trauma victim that yeah. Well, one thing I think we need to know is that we are meaning-making creatures. Yeah. Right? So, I mean, it's natural to develop narratives and to develop our own. Um, it's sort of like what I'm telling myself about why. We, we want to know the why. Mm-hmm. And there's a place for that. There's a time for that. We need narrative and meaning-making isn't right, wrong, good, or bad. But when we're doing trauma work, it can be a distraction. Okay. Because it can keep us in that cognitive part of our brain. 
Um, and which is the front part? The yeah, yeah. the prefrontal cortex or neocortex is the the executive functioning, the meaning making. Okay. And so it really kind of takes us away from the part that we're working with in trauma work, which is the limbic brain. Um, the other tricky part about meaning making is sometimes we think we know, and mm-hmm. we may be partly right about that. And uh, we, it, we also might be doing some work on some things we're not even aware of. We're learning that um, there's... Um, prenatal and perinatal trauma, things that little ones go through with, you know, as babies, as in utero, Mm -hmm. um, that can wire the brain a certain way. And yeah, all that makes so much sense though, to to say that, that when you, when someone experiences something physically or emotionally, it rewires part of the brain, even as a child, like to me, that makes so much sense. I love that. I think that's why I love that that premise that the the body keeps score, right? Even the premise of that makes so much more sense to, you know, to to why and how people sure. become who they are and why certain people are triggered by certain things right. and so forth. Well, even thinking about a baby in utero yeah. whose mom is enduring a lot of stress, that yeah. baby's being flooded with cortisol and adrenaline yeah. from the mom's nervous system, and that has an impact on brain wiring. Yeah. Now, the good news is um, there's a lot to be said about attachment. And a lot of that can be um, renegotiated, restructured through secure attachment. So, you know, I know as a mom who... That's good to know, yeah, Shelley. Um, I was going to say, I need Benjamin, to speak on this I'm really gonna, quickly. Benjamin, I'm going to start saving for your counseling <laughs> sessions when you get older because I, I, I know as soon that as I, I was said stressed. That, yeah. um, Shelley saw that I was flooded when she the said mom that. The <laughs> Yeah, I have three kids. I get it. So what I, that's why on the heels of that, I wanted to say was even though that helps us to make sense sometimes of some symptomology, we can't ever under or emphasize enough the power of secure attachment, Yeah, which I think good. goes straight back to scripture Absolutely. when the very name of Jesus is God with us, yeah, right? It all job. goes back to relationship. And that's what heals us. That's yeah. what redeems is that secure attachment, social engagement, right? God hardwired that into the brains of mammals and to humans so that we could have that corrective, redemptive experience. And so even babies that maybe have, you know, endured that, you know, there's so much to be said for that. In fact, there's um, Another researcher out there, um, there's a video on YouTube called um, The Still Face Experiment. Edtronic is the researcher. And um, he talks about the good, the bad, and the ugly. And he said, you know, the the ugly is when there's never any repair. Yeah, that's good. Right. And so even the most well-intentioned parents, we're going to not get it right. Yeah. But if there's repair and there's attachment, it's going to be okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Shelly's just triggering me left and right with a lot of the words she's saying and the things she's saying. So, Jeremy, look like, you look like you were thinking too, yeah. Jeremy. Well, well, I'm I, I've known you on a, what a decade now. Yeah. Um, yeah. and uh, I, I love your story, and, and yeah. you'd mentioned prior about sharing it. I, sure. I, I, um, I don't know if, the, if you'd plan to, but is that I, I'd lo- I'd love to know first off if you'd be willing to, and secondly, is that is that where you had a developed a passion for trauma. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think so. Um, yes, I got my undergrad, um, in counseling 
a hundred years ago from Liberty (laughs) before all of, you know, my, um, traumatic, um, experiences. But, um, I did, uh, I I endured, um, a really abusive relationship marriage for, um, about 11 years and, um, you know, had three kiddos and, um, you know, they were right in there, you know, with me through that. Mm. It was a long road, um, to find safety. Um, and, you know, God brought a lot of resources to me um, that didn't work overnight, but over time provided a way out. And so on the other side of that, though, there was a lot of healing to be done. And, um, yeah. you know, kind of circling back to what we were saying a minute ago, the shame, not only is there shame while you're in that, you already feel like an outsider, but coming out of that right again it's that comparison we're always looking at someone at other folks Mm -hmm. and saying i'm not normal there's something really wrong with me yeah yeah and so my own uh training in trauma has been a parallel process with my own healing from trauma and and the renegotiation happening in my own nervous system Mm -hmm. through the help of practitioners and therapists who are trained Mm -hmm. yeah um you i'm 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 curious your uh no, you, you've been, I love that you said it's been parallel. I mean, it, yeah. it's, it's been a healing process at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what does it look like? You mentioned earlier where, where we start off, um, where, where people seem like they have it okay and, and then yeah. people are, 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 are triggered or whatever it yeah. may be. What, what does that look like yeah. to someone who's experienced trauma? Who? Well, I have a really good example that happened just today. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I actually prayed about it before we came here today because I thought, I don't know if I want to share this. or if, I mean, I'm willing, but I don't know if I'm, it would be appropriate. But, um, yeah, so um, since that time in my life, that's been, um, gosh, I can't do the math quick enough, maybe about 15 years ago. Um, since that time, um, I've been able, or God brought me a wonderful, um, gentle, kind, um, super helpful, supportive husband. Mm-hmm. And we've been married close to 10 years now. And he has been a key, um, key person that God has used in, um, helping my nervous system renegotiate trauma. He broke his arm about two months ago now, fell off a ladder, um, broke it completely in two, mm-hmm. um, has not been able to function well, because of the level of pain. He had a rod, pins. Um, so that in and of itself is going to be a, well, it is, it has been, you know, um, traumatic in, in a lot of senses. Um, and here's why. Because because of his um, inability to um, function the way he normally functions, right, it's been interesting how over time, my amygdala, my nervous system is remembering. So we've got to remember, you know, part of that limbic brain, there's the fight, flight, or freeze, but there's also the hippocampus, which has to do with memory, traumatic memory. It's not about conscious memory. It's not about meaning making. It's about sensory. So there's a part of my brain that says, ooh, I remember this. I remember being the only one earning income. I remember being the only one taking care of the kids. I remember being the only one taking care of the house. Even though my sweet, loving husband is not incapacitated by choice right now, (laughs) right? 
Unfortunately, I'm having heart palpitations, yeah. difficulty sleeping. Why? Because my my limbic brain is recalling a time in my life that was very similar and also dangerous. And even yeah. though I'm not in danger right now, yeah. my brain is saying, ooh, there's threat present. But you see why God puts that in the brain. I mean, like, it, mm. it, what seems to be like a, like a curse, mm. I mean, mm-hmm. in the sense that, that it's, it's a... If, if you were, though, like it, it would, it's a, yes. it's a good thing to kind yes. of get out of this. Oh, I'm so glad you said that. Yeah. Yes, because here's why. You know, again, I do have the cognitive functioning that I'm able to say that was then, this is now. That's part of my trauma recovery, my healing. Oh, see, that's tough. That's really yeah, it tough is. to like it is. come to that. So let me ask, do you say those things out loud? I, I do, and I want to finish this Sorry. one yeah. button. No, yeah. no, no, that's okay. Because one of the things you said, Jeremy, is so important. I don't want folks to think that, oh gosh, well, that sucks. You know, this is, this is terrible. Why did God put this in her? Well, because, you know, if my brain weren't firing when I was really in danger, then, you know, I'd be toast. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Right? So it it is, it's a really good thing that, that our brains are wired this way, but it gets in the way, or I should say it can get in the way or it can just be, um, it can it can be activated in ways that are really uncomfortable, even when we're not in danger. And so, yes, um, also to answer your question, part of um, somatic work, right, is to practice slowing down and noticing and holding space for what's happening. And that's one of the things I've been practicing the last few days is noticing, okay, my heart's racing. I'm having trouble falling asleep. I feel really anxious. And I'm okay. I'm safe. My husband's good and he's kind, right? No, no, there's something yeah. now. I, 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 I remember you doing this, um, but it is—it's recognizing that you're in a safe place. It's yeah. kind of—I know—I know when when, uh, when when we meet, you you kind of do that thing where you work backwards. You're mm-hmm. you're you're safe. You're at a yeah. safe spot. You're in a chair. You're yeah. somewhere. Is, is that kind of what you're talking about? Just kind of stabilizing yeah. yourself, letting you know. I love that. That that yeah. and it, it is deeply deeply helpful. But that you are presently. You're not there. And why, yeah. why is it that? Uh, and, and I'm trying to remember um, something you had said a long time ago, but uh, how quickly uh, it's kind of like a snowball effect, yeah. where quickly we can find ourselves back in the midst Absolutely. of this traumatic experience, reliving. Yeah, nanoseconds. Yeah, literally nanoseconds. Right, car backfires, and a military veteran's on the ground. Yeah. Because the brain says gunfire, danger, yeah. hit the ground. So absolutely, it, it happens that quickly. So I know that you'll know the medical terms, but my, and I'm just like trying to explain it using my hands a lot of times. Um, so, you know, I, the reason I asked you, do you say this out? You know, do you say yeah. these things to yourself yeah. out loud? It's because I've had to practice that myself sure. with some things because... Yeah. Um, my my husband will listen to this, and uh, yeah. this is something that we've been working on yeah. many years, haven't we, Jason? Um, <laughs> sometimes when my husband is sick, mm-hmm. like just a cold or something, has to take a day or two off work, mm-hmm. it kind of, uh, in the past, it has triggered me, mm-hmm. and I feel like, um, you know, kind of similar, yeah. um, I feel like I'm the only one here, and I'm yeah. the one responsible for right. everything, and um, it has nothing to do with things that he's done, it's from something yeah. in my past, and... Um, so I've, my, my counselor told me, you know, um, in one part of our brain, you know, we're thinking about this mm-hmm. over and over and it triggers us. Mm-hmm. And 
it's good to say it because it moves to a different part of your brain. And when you say things like so much truth is brought Mm -hmm. into Mm -hmm. the things that you say and your brain can process those things, um, to where you realize it's the truth and it calms you and you can begin to believe those things. Yeah. And I think what you're hitting on is really part of the process, right? And the process that takes time. Um, and it is a practice, right? Um, it's something that we practice. So the symptomology may not change, um, as quickly as we'd like it to. (laughs) Um, but what you're kind of speaking to now too, is the uncoupling of the somatic experiences that are happening in the body, um, with the cues. So in in other words, uh, you know, my heart's racing right now because, um, my environment is cueing me. Um, and, and, and I'm having this sense of aloneness and isolation. So what can be a helpful practice may be to say, I'm aware, right, that I'm having heart palpitations, that I'm having anxiety right now. It's really difficult. And that was then, and this is now. And right now, I'm also safe. I'm feeling activated, and I'm safe. So what happens is it begins to give the brain another option. So it doesn't have to continue to cycle through the trauma pattern, yeah. but it can begin to renegotiate a new, um, n- new neurological pathways yeah. can actually be created, and over time, and that's the thing. That's the thing that folks um, don't like either. <laughs> you know, trauma happens fast, and so you know we want a quick fix. Yeah, yeah. Um, and yet trauma re- renegotiate renegotiation happens slowly bite-sized pieces and it's almost um it's almost like digging a well right and so we start with a little shovel full of dirt i like to compare it to uh to um planting a garden yeah you know you have to do all the tilling yeah and over time, it's a long, long process. Yeah, and it but you're creating end, yeah. more capacity, yeah. greater capacity yeah. over time. It, it is, and and so I think that's what's so intimidating. Uh, I know the first time we met, I think when the, it was so intimidating to like to even begin. Like, where do I even mm. begin with this? Yeah, and and so and, and not only not only that, for, but but <laughs> then like I think my biggest fear though was and, and uh, was to have to talk about anything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, even the idea when you, when you, when Heather, when you were like, are you going to, will you talk about yours? I'm like, oh, I'll stay away a million, million miles away from it. I'll speak in third person before I go there. Yeah. But, but there's a, in, in reality, there is a, like, I think that's when people think of trauma, maybe counseling or therapy. They imagine, at least I did, you go there and you have to relive it. Yeah. Home. Yeah. And that's just like the thought of it is just unbearable. Sure. Like it, oh, it just, yeah, it just seems right. And so, so I know that there's some, I guess there's some methods that you do that. Some modalities, um, and, and, you know, again, I can't speak to everything, and I don't want to make blanket statements, but I do know there are some literature and research okay. out That's there. That's what we do here. We just make blanket statements. <laughs> we do. <laughs> we do. Yeah. And then it gets you in trouble. At least yeah. it we just me, Google. So. We yeah. Google stuff. Google tells us our answers. Well, the, just the reality that there is some research coming out that's showing that we have to be careful because sometimes those older ways of working – um, aren't always helpful. They actually helpful, yeah. can be re-traumatizing, yeah. right? 
And I think what you're getting to, Jeremy, is so important because what we're learning, and this is just really within the last decade, are ways that we can work with trauma without having to use the narrative necessarily. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think, you know, that can be so encouraging to some folks. And it's some people need, I'll be honest, some people need to tell their story right off the bat. And that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. Other folks don't and, and don't want to. Right. Yeah. And that's okay too. So there's not really a cookie cutter method, right. yeah. but when you when we're talking about um, you know the the newer approaches like EMDR and, and somatic experience, we are working more with the body than we are working necessarily with the narrative that comes into play. Um, but it really is a bottom up approach. Mm-hmm. We call it a bottom up approach, meaning that we're working with the this bottom part of the brain, the brainstem, the amygdala, the limbic brain. Yeah up to the cognitive prefrontal. So there's all those fancy words instead of using my hands to try to describe it. I don't well, know a whole lot. That's about the extent of my nerve. Well, I, I, I would just, I, like, it's just interesting to me because the, uh, I can't, I can't imagine, I mean, if it worked for some, I just can't, mm-hmm. I can't imagine. I, I, I think there's a fear and the, even the idea of like opening up. Cause I, I, I mean, I think I've, when we've talked about it, where I've said, "Man, I don't like nobody even work even knows of any sort of like any yeah. trauma exists." But the, the fear of someone being like, "So, mm-hmm. what's your story? Why don't yeah. you tell me what it is?" And be like, right. ah, "I can't do that." Yeah. Now, um, now, I we I mean we asked you because I mean you've you've told your story many occasions, and so mm-hmm. it what what is. The, what is there a sign of healing? And this is like a deep personal question. I'm going to act like this was like sent in, but is, is there a, is there I know a why point? Here today. Someone's curious um, <laughs> if is there an end to? I, 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 I've come to a point where I don't think there's ever an end to like where you've you've overcome your trauma. Yeah. I, I, I almost I feel like there's a point where you've just learned to move forward. Yeah, and 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 cope. Well, I, I do think that there is restructuring and healing, okay. yeah. which is beyond coping. Um, and yet it's almost like we're, we're moving to greater levels of health, renegotiating, um, allowing the brain to rewire and renegotiate mm-hmm. to greater levels mm-hmm. of health. And I could be taking scripture out of context here, but I know there's a scripture that says the path of the righteous grows brighter and brighter. Mm-hmm. As, you know, and we know that um, we're not going to arrive you know, until Jesus comes. And so I can't help but wonder too, if that's part of the way to think of, you know, healing Yeah, 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 yeah. is that we're, it's right. not about arriving and it's also not about just staying stuck coping, but it's yeah. about moving from, um, you know, to greater levels of healing, Yeah, helping well, support greater levels. I mean, like, of so, so I'm a, I'm a bit envious cause like you can tell your story and, mm, and it's yeah. like, man, like is, is that is some people will never get to that point. Yeah. Well, and, Again, I think... That's more of a question. Yeah. Will I ever get to that <laughs> point? So, so the question is... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe. It, but Jeremy is not the host today asking yeah. all the questions. I, I, listen, I get it. But... Listen, I, you don't understand. It's, it's been a couple of weeks since I've seen Shelly, so I have all these questions. Golly. You know, and I wish there was a, you know, a definitive answer. I, you know, I would say maybe. Yeah. You know, and if that's... Um, even even though I have shared my story and I have have told that I I had this experience just a few weeks ago in a class I was taking um, with students that I barely know, mm-hmm. and it was a multicultural class and we were talking about trauma and I shared just a tidbit, and my heart was beating out of my chest, my hands were sweating, my armpits mm-hmm. were sweating, and so it's even you know it's not necessarily that I tell it with you know 
with perfect composure. Such, like there's yeah, still activation yeah. there. But I think what I'm hearing you ask, Jeremy, too, is as of right now, I'm still finding myself going into that frozen place so that the words don't really come together. And maybe right. there's a part of you that's hoping at some point, maybe I can share it so that I can be, you know, sure. um, helpful, helpful to others. To others yeah. Right? And so, I mean, I, I believe that that is possible. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think so, too. I mean, I don't think um, everybody who experiences trauma is meant to tell everyone their story. Sure. You sure. know, and I, I think that... Um, I think that, you know, God may have a special time and place for you to share your story and it may be years down the road or it may be in a way we never know. So, oh gosh. I know we're going to have to write a check. Uh, you're going to have to write a check. No, 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 no. Charge some devil next session to see him. This is how we get cheap sessions. Let's do this. We're going to do a podcast. You want to do a podcast, friend? You have a... Well, you need you have any medical ailments going on with your body that we could call a doctor I, into? I, I, I know, right? Can you take a look this, at this? Get a dentist. While you're here. Um, so, Shelly, you've done like a fabulous job. Like, I've, um, you know, I, I, I took some notes. I try to take some notes to kind of stay on topic and everything. What, what is trauma? Like, my definitions were uh, an overwhelming perception of danger, any experience yeah. that exceeds an individual's ability to cope. Yeah. Anything that pushes the activation of the nervous system beyond its ability to self-regulate. Yeah. Perfect. Um, there's a ton of symptoms of trauma that you've sure. talked about. Depression, anxiety, flashbacks, the numb mm-hmm. feeling, yeah. uh, shame. Self-hatred is probably yeah. a really big one. It is, yeah. um, rage and anger, panic attacks, anxiety, mm-hmm. uh, difficulty sleeping. So our trauma is stored in our bodies. Yes. So, um, yes. You talked about the polyvagal theory. I had that wrote down, too. So, um, actually, uh, Jeremy messaged me earlier, and he's like, where are you at when you come in here? And I'm like, I'm trying to eat at the Taco Bell to eat my feelings before I come. <laughs> and also, I was trying to look up some, like, statistics. Um, mm. So, 70%, and this is from the Nash. I don't know where it's from, y'all. It was a legit resource, though. I meant to write it down, but my dad called me while I was trying to write, and I was also trying to eat Taco Bell. Um, 70% of adults have suffered from at least one traumatic experience, mm-hmm. and that's mm-hmm. 2234 million adults yeah yeah so and you know whenever we were talking earlier like i think some people either don't realize Mm -hmm. that they have suffered trauma because you know a lot of times we think you know you've had a traumatic experience with like a death um rape is a big one um you know just a a house fire Mm -hmm. um childhood childhood you know just Uh, a lot of childhood experiences. Um, a lot of people think about, um, PTS, they associate like PTSD with like soldiers, military, um, sort of things. And that's actually like, that's a part of it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a part of it, but a lot of people can experience PTSD and not just, um, so something that I wanted to talk to you about the one, the one question that we did, um, have submitted, um, there's 35 million United States children. Mm-hmm. 35 million. Yeah. And I would almost venture to say that that is, um, if there's 223.4 million yeah. adults, I would say that that, that number is probably much more. Sure. Um, just in our own area, you know, um, mm-hmm. you're here in Taze Valley and work in the Huntington area and everything. Yeah. Um, we have a huge opal, op- yeah, you know, issue with opioid addiction. Sure. Um, yeah. 
And I think that they, and my husband and I talk about this a lot. Like, I think there's so many, because of the stigma with mental health and, um, you know, a lot of it, you, you know, you explained it perfectly earlier about how in utero things can yeah. happen um, and things can become genetic yeah. um, for us. I think there's so, I mean, I think that it's affecting more mm-hmm. and more people and more mm-hmm. and more generations Yeah. Um, than we've ever, than, you know, they may, yeah. may have ever been. And you're hitting on something that I don't know a lot about, but I'm just kind of beginning to be exposed to is um, something called epigenetics. Um, I probably didn't even say that right. Um, but yeah, it you is did a better a, job than I would <laughs> But it is about um, the trauma physiology and being um, genetic, right? The yeah. predisposition. The other reality yeah. is we, we do live in, I think, um, here in West Virginia especially, an underserved and under-resourced area. We Absolutely. see a lot of poverty. We see yeah. addiction. We see a lot of um, people trying to cope and survive with really overwhelming circumstances. And we think about children with little nervous systems, yeah. right, that don't have as much um, to resource them as adults. Um, and so we are seeing trauma um, In fact, you know, I I work with um, some teachers and, you know, some of the things that um, the teachers are reporting and we're beginning to understand about kiddos that um, have behavior problems. A lot of times it has to do with trauma physiology. Absolutely. Yeah. So that was kind of the, it's not even a, it's not even a question. So um, the text message that I got was, I work with many children who are victims of trauma. Mm Mm-hmm. And as a Christian, I know and understand that God is good and that there's sin in the world and terrible things happen. Mm -hmm. But I struggle with this because kids have no control over their situations and what they're born into. And they can't help how the adults in their lives have turned out or how they're coping with things. Um, I mean... I literally just read it off paper. It wasn't a question, but like, I mean, so so as a Christian who, um, you know, who is in, I think what you said, a lot of our educators are the ones who are seeing the most um, of this because they're spending a big chunk of time with their kids throughout the day. So Jeremy, as a pastor, what do you think? I mean, as Christians who struggle with this and we struggle with our own trauma. So this is just the problem of evil as it pertains to, to it happening with kids. So, yeah, so it, it so to say like why would God allow this to happen? That, that that's a, it's a real so I can give you like an intellectual answer, but it's not one that's gonna be like emotionally pleasing. Right. <laughs> so uh, I'll say that first. But the, you know, as far as the problem of evil, I think there's I think there's three areas, and I'll just kind of brief through these quickly. But um, you have you have like natural disaster type evil. Why does God permit this to happen? He's over the weather. Why does He allow droughts that? Call starvation and stuff like that. You have why does God, and, and, and that can, a lot of times that can be intellectually explained away with, um, you know, well, sin came into the world and affect not just people but but also creation. You, know, you have okay, well, you know, uh, you know, evil between uh, human beings. And that's kind of what this one is. Why would God permit someone to hurt somebody else yeah. um, in, in that way um, or in any way? But uh, and so I, I'll I'll say this the. Romans 9 gives a really great answer to why God permits evil. And again, this, this, this is about as comforting as it gets. And that, this is tough. But uh, Romans 9 says that God is, that he is, he is patient. 
Um, and we quickly, and, and by the way, as we're going through Psalms, the lamenting Psalms on Sunday, um, it is okay. Uh, you see, you saw David doing it today in Psalm 13, this weariness of sin, um, this, this, this hating of sin. And, and I used to have a hard time praying that God, I, want, I look forward to the day where you destroy the, the, the evildoer and the wicked because it seems self-righteous. Forgetting that I was on the road to perdition and the Lord saved me from that, yeah. and so uh, you know, so there is this. Um, but but I think that's clear once you see the devastation of sin, and and you see uh, people's hurt and pain. I think it's very natural for the Christian to pray and and rejoice for the day where God is going to unleash His judgment. But until then, Scripture says that He's being patient, and and so sin. Uh, allows God's patience to be glorified, and we are benefactors of that patience because all of us, right? We we were we were dead in our trespasses. We were wicked doers. We were, um, uh, and so so God, being patient, uh, because of His patience, we have been able to cling to Him. Um, but w- with that being said, uh, at the as He continues in, in Romans nine, uh, He says um, he, that He will deal with the evildoer. He will deal with sin. He'll deal with wickedness. And it's going to glorify his justice. And, and it, what, what, what Scripture does, and I love this, it says, and, and this gives you the reason for evil to begin with. He says, I'm going to glorify my justice. And I'm going to, and that's going to glorify my grace. You're going to see the height of my grace and my, the height of my mercy, and what's going to how that will be put in context to my to to sin and what you deserve. It's going to be in context to my wrath. It's kind of like this when, when when my wife and I went to Taiwan and we went up to Taipei 101. At the time, it was the tallest building in the world. We couldn't see out, uh, and we couldn't get context of how high we were. People were like, "Oh, you're a hundred stories high," and that didn't mean anything until we got to the top. And now we have context. We see the height and we see the depth. So when you look at why does God allow sin into the world? Because it gives context to his grace and mercy. And that gives context to his justice. And he's perfectly going to uh, punish. And, he's per- and, and so we see his justice glorified. We see his patience glorified. We see his grace and mercy glorified. Him allowing sin into the world, even as devastating and horrible as it is, and, and it destroys so many lives and hurts so many people, at the end of the day, so many different aspects of God's character is glorified and revealed through that. Um, and that's that's not, again, that's not emotionally maybe pleasing. But at the same time, theologically, it gives an answer for why does God allow these things to happen? Because what they're asking is a theological question, not an emotional right. one. Right. Well, I guess that was good, Jeremy. Yeah. I don't know. It's the best I got. <laughs> wow. Wow. Maybe I could have prepared something a little bit more emotionally nah. pleasing if you had given me a chance. Well, you don't like questions in advance. That's true. So. I, don't, I don't want to know them before you. Um, so that was a shift from the amygdala to the cognitive, right? So yeah, were, right, yes. right, right, right. And, and, um, but, you know, there's a, there's a degree, and I, and I don't know if this, if this connects the two, but as someone who's experienced trauma, um, I can, first off, it has been a sanctifying work, whether Shelly in my life or my wife, who's, who's worked along with me uh, in this. Um, it's been a sanctifying, sanctifying process to, to grow out of that. Yeah. Not out of that, but, but you know what I'm saying, to, to work with it and realize how helpless mm-hmm. and so, and honestly, how weak I am in so many areas and cling to him for, for strength. Mm-hmm. And not, not pretend that I'm not hurting or mm-hmm. affected. Yeah. I can just cling to him. And there's a level of care and love that I, that I feel like I've received from the Lord that I never had experienced that I can say, 
though I have felt ashamed, uh, I have felt dirty, I have felt all of these things, I don't have to because mm. of the gospel. Yeah. And so um, those are things that I never would experience, honestly. And, and that's not to say that I am, I'm happy for the traumatic event, but there is an area where um, y- your pain can have purpose. Right. And uh, I, I love what Kathy Basham says, where your where your uh, where your mess becomes your ministry. So, yeah. <laughs> Michelle, how are you feeling? You you got anything else to say on that one? Well, I was just thinking, Jeremy, as you were talking, you're speaking to another important piece too, because when we have suffered trauma, there's a lot of the why, yeah. right? And where's God and why? Mm-hmm. And so I appreciate you speaking to that. Um, because we only have the context of where we are right now. We can only see from where we are right now. And sometimes that can be really, really tough, and our faith gets challenged, and our trust can be challenged. And Yeah, yeah absolutely. So be- I think I think today's sermon, I mean, I'm not going to lie. I told you, Jeremy, like I caught like the last <laughs> 10 minutes of it because um, I rolled in from Logan like, you know, an hour and 15 minutes late to church. Um, but today is December the 15th. So if you haven't had a chance um, when, uh, you know, when you're listening to this, if you haven't had a chance to listen to today's sermon, um, I definitely recommend you go back, especially if you're um, struggling with the, um, I think the biggest thing that we kind of get focused on, um, and this is something that kind of, um, you know, and I, I'm not sure if, you know, either of you experienced the same thing. Like, I was raised in a church, and mm-hmm. questioning God was not something that right. was right. okay right. and acceptable to do. Yeah. Um, and people always said, oh, don't question God, yeah. you know. All, you know, they quote a mm-hmm. you know, verse at you and all this other stuff. Yeah. So, um, something that I'm learning through my healing, pro- you know, my, my healing process and my healing journey is, um, it's a hundred percent okay. Absolutely. To say, God, why did this happen to yeah. me? And I think, um, I think everyone who struggled, who, who's mm-hmm. had something traumatic happen in their life, mm-hmm. they're going to ask that at Absolutely. some point. Yeah. Um, you know, and even questioning, you know, why am I here? And this, wrestling with those questions yeah, just wrestling with God, with that. right? Yeah. So, um, one thing that I've really, um, I did not even realize it until I started counseling because, um, everybody in my past, um, and I love him so much. And, you know, I really feel like God placed him in my life to show me the love of God and, um, you know, to help raise me and everything. But, um, you know, I wasn't really taught it's okay to question God. Mm-hmm. And I was always just told, trust in the Lord with all your mind, lean not in your own understanding, you know, trust God mm-hmm. with this. And I did not realize that I didn't trust God with things until mm-hmm. a few years ago. Yeah. And this is something that I've really had to work with mm-hmm. personally. Um, just giving everything to God. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't realize that all these years, you know, um, it was actually, it was crazy to me. Like, it blew my mind. Like, I really had not trusted God because there really wasn't anything, you know, um, there are all the traumatic things that happened throughout my childhood. Like, to some degree, I would be able to control it. And as I got older, I could kind of control some things, and that made me feel like it was good. Mm-hmm. Um, but as I became an adult, I didn't realize how much that I really didn't trust God because I, when I was a child and I was questioning God, yeah. I felt like He wasn't there. So I have a lot of trust trust and abandonment issues and attachment issues so um and it's interesting isn't it how we encourage our own children to question us and yet we think we're not allowed (laughs) to question god um, so it's it's been the last few years have been 
like I, I mm-hmm. mentioned earlier, like I feel like I'm tilling up the land. I feel yeah. like I'm kind of, um, I feel like that I've had to kind of <laughs> burn the house down and yeah. I'm restarting wow. with the foundation and stuff. But um, mm-hmm. what you said, Jeremy, was beautiful. And um, if you all, I'll let you guys, um, I wanted to kind of end on this, but you all definitely can end on um, anything, any last thoughts you all have. But um, Jeremy had said earlier, you know, you find yourself clinging and desiring and seeking God more in this. Mm-hmm. And, um, I think since my healing process through counseling and just being real with God, cause he already knows of, you know, he already knows my heart and my mind and the things I'm struggling with. Um, I saw this on, I think it was on Instagram and I just kind of uh, screenshot it and I wanted to read it. And then, um, I wanted to kind of, from a Christian perspective, kind of just, um, we talked about this before with mental health, that our identities get wrapped up mm-hmm. right. in our mental health and our traumas and things. Mm-hmm. And we lose sight of who we are. Um, we let our circumstances kind of define us and, um, they break us, they, you know, all these different things. So, um, this is the thing that was on Instagram. It said, repeat after me. I'm not my childhood trauma. I'm not my high school trauma. I'm not my parents. I'm not my siblings. I'm not the people I've slept with. I'm not my ex relationships. I'm not my old friendships. I'm not my failures. I'm not the poor choices I've made. I'm not the victim. My past does not define me. I have the power to learn, grow, and heal from anything in my life. I get to define who I am. I get to decide who I am, and I get to write my own story. And um, I was thinking earlier about how the biggest thing that has been helpful to me, even in the times that um, when I have been in kind of my cycles of depression um, over the last few years and just been in dark places, just reminding myself who I am. Um, And for once in my life, I'm like actually at a place where I'm, believing that and that's a good place to be in um i am a child of god a child of the king i'm forgiven i have a family i'm loved i'm chosen i'm set apart i'm redeemed from my past i'm seen i'm known i'm wanted i'm not a mistake i have the power through and by the grace love and forgiveness of god to learn grow and heal from anything in my life i get to define who i am he has declared whose i am and i just thought that that's such a um such a beautiful reminder and I think that we um, sometimes hear that so much throughout um, especially if you know we've been in church a long time or um, you've heard this a lot I think just like anything else we can become immune to those things and we can just quote them and say them you know like the back you know like it's something on the back of our hand but we lose sight of the meaning of it um, and we really forget the true meaning of it so yeah, what, what you just stated was something called the great exchange, right? We, we yeah. have the imputed righteousness of Christ, and we imputed our sin to him. I mean, so that's what happens at the cross. This is this, this beautiful great exchange. He takes our sin, and we take his righteousness. And yeah, we're no longer, our, we're no longer the person who we were, right? We're a new creation. And so it's, it, is, it is a wonderful, needed reminder, and one that the gospel brings and hopefully brings weekly. All right, Shelley, I'm going to ask you one last question. And then you all can throw in any last thoughts you have. If somebody is struggling with trauma yeah. and has not, um, you know, with their trauma comes depression, anxiety, mm-hmm. all comes, you know, all these other things that uh, are symptoms of trauma, and they are not seeing someone, mm-hmm. if they're not talking to their pastor, if they're not talking to a friend, um, yeah. just to kind of, um, you know, to let that out of their, yeah. um, what's something that you would yeah. suggest? Well, it kind of goes into um, 
you said final thoughts. I was just kind of reflecting on what you just shared, and Jeremy, what you said. You know, trauma takes away our identity. It yeah. takes it away. And so, you know, we can... Um, we can hear the things like we were just talking about and, and take them in cognitively and understand that and say, yes, I agree, my identity is in Christ, but we also need to experience it. Yeah. We have to take it in relationally. That's a whole other thing because the brain will not renegotiate and heal without if it's not done in the context of relationship. So it starts with finding those safe relationships. And so, you know, that's maybe the million-dollar question is where do folks go to find those safe relationships? I think therapy can be um, great for a lot of folks. Sometimes that's a resource that is the very first um, emotionally corrective relationship they'll ever experience. Sometimes it's church. Sometimes it's an Al-Anon meeting, an AA meeting. Um, There are resources um, in the community, and I think... um, you know, that's where it's going to start is finding a context of safe relationships. Yeah. And then, you know, beginning to, um, you know, there's lots of books, resources, but again, those are cognitive. It, it, it really is about, um, finding safety in relate, which is a, you know, a double-edged sword, right? Because relationships hurt us, yeah. but relationships also heal us. Yeah. No, I, I like that. I think, I think especially, uh, there's a lot of people who will say I, they know, intellectually the right answer but god still feels distant and, yes. maybe, and maybe that's part of it yes they, they, they've not and, and from 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 pastoral perspective you know especially it, it makes sense that that the lord gave us the church i mean yes. gave us the bride of christ yeah. and, and gifted different people with different giftings you you have um you know people like shelly right who who's mm-hmm. part of the bride of christ who's able to minister and care for people um you know like me and so like it there's there's a you know there really is a wonderful I love the idea of community. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's so biblical and yeah. so and so essential in Christian living for, for so so many different aspects of, of Christian living, especially for recovery. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So um, my, I, I, I know that was I was your last gonna, question. Well, I, no, no. I want to just. I was going to say say a final statement because you said we could say a final statement. So I was just going to say. Oh, that wasn't uh, your statement. No, no, it was my statement. This, <laughs> oh, was, this is my statement. It's All simple. Right. It's simple. So like we got some, we got some nosy people that listen. Oh yeah, we got some nosy people that oh, listen. Yeah. So they're going to be don't ask. Messages. They're going to be. <laughs> I just don't, like, don't ask me. Don't ask, like if don't, I don't want anyone to ask like like if if and it may, maybe you feel comfortable sharing your story to people mm. when they ask you. I don't. So if it, depend, if you, it depends on who it is. Yeah, like, it doesn't I've, depend. I've on been who it kind is. of vague. Um, yeah. I haven't really shared anything that has happened, but yeah. I, you know, trauma is something that well, is part of my childhood. If you if if you ask me, I'm going to give you a, I'm going to give you a real awkward uh, no. <laughs> And then we'll talk, I'll change the topic. <laughs> so I'm just because I, I can say no, right? Absolutely, yeah, I can I say no. Healthy boundaries. That's right. Healthy so. boundaries. Don't ask me. Okay. So please. Say no. <laughs> I just got to put that out there because there's <laughs> people that listen. You know that's this. true. I know they're going to message you. Like, like, I love what, you, but I don't want to share everything. They're going to message me and they're like, well, you know what's wrong with Jeremy? <laughs> yeah, they are. Nope. You told me no. I don't want to know what's wrong with Jeremy. <laughs> Oh, it's uh, guys. It's been a great podcast, um, mm-hmm. Shelly. We so appreciate you oh, being here. Um, yeah. You know, I think I think one of the we had some concerns. I think probably when mm-hmm. um, I'll be honest. Um, you know, if you know Jeremy and Will a lot in concerns. their relationships, I had concerns. <laughs> um, I had concerns when they said they were going to preach on a sermon series yeah. about it, and I was like, oh my gosh! And then oh. our first our first mm-hmm. podcast that we sat down we sat down to record like. I was sweating. Yeah. Like I was um my flot. Um like I was in flot. 
phase, and I was like sweating, yeah. and I had the deodorant out, and I had right. like five cups of coffee. There was coffee. definitely some misunderstandings on the uh, pod. So let, let's clear the air right now. Nobody yeah. has complained that I'm aware of. but at the, Someone did. Well, Someone well, did. we both know who that was. Um, turd. Um, so at the end of that podcast, we were joking about how nervous I was and Mm -hmm. about how well they did. I mean, it was just, Mm -hmm. um, it was just beautiful. It really was. And I, we mature you all. I mean, (laughs) seriously, mature. Oh, help me Jesus. For for that hour we did. (laughs) For that hour they were, I mean, it was beautiful and I just could not have made the words come out any better from Mm -hmm. their mouths if I would have forced them to. (laughs) Um, and I was so nervous about that because I know, um, Personally, this is something that I struggle with and that my family struggles with. And I have so many friends that struggle with it. But I know there's so many people who don't have good relationships that are supportive, that aren't saying, hey, talk to me, you know, that aren't reaching out to them, who still have those stigmas, who are still carrying that shame and guilt, and they're just afraid to talk about it. And so I wanted it to be something that was handled very well. Mm -hmm. And they did such a beautiful job as pastors and both as men who have had these things happen in their lives and in their families. And Mm -hmm. I just want to say what a great job they did again. But at the end of that podcast, I said, I made the comment, um, I'm going to put my shirt back on now. (laughs) So I had multiple shirts on that day. And um, when I'm nervous, I sweat. So I had to take my outer layer off, yeah. and I was reapplying deodorant like every few minutes, and um, you know, just sweating. So Shelly's putting cold. her shirt on right well, now too. Well, because I get cold. Uh, well, through, through the like at the end of the podcast, I started getting cold because of yeah. all the sweating. Right. right, right. And um, so I had, like the last words from the podcast were, "I'm going to put my shirt on now." Yeah. And like so that was the clarify. end of it. Baker yeah. did not edit anything, and Baker, you better not be editing this out. <laughs> my explanation so um heather did have a shirt on and there's no need to question my so is this the last of the lamenting podcast or is there one more well you know i thought it is the last i would love to kind of do a follow-up just to kind of um one to see if anybody else has questions about stuff maybe that you all preached on don't be knocking that microphone off right now we're at the end but no i I think we'll probably do a follow-up in the next week or two just to just to kind of wrap things up and just um we've also made a resource god i believe um we've been taking recommendations from um other um other place you know other christian people who've receive counseling and stuff mm-hmm. so we've mm-hmm. kind of been getting their therapist names and numbers yeah. to reach out so shelly you're on that list i'm sorry yeah. <laughs> um i'm sorry um don't take jeremy's spot up whatever right i was gonna say you don't want to make her too busy Listen, i know i <laughs> people are asking me and i'm like i can tell you where she works with me I ain't telling you her name calls <laughs> right me mondays at nine so, o'clock or my time <laughs> right i said i said i'll say it's a double-edged sword like you want people yeah. you want people to get help but it's like i need help too so yeah like, don't be taking my right, space up like, don't be <laughs> <laughs> Um, but no, seriously, guys, um, we appreciate your questions. We appreciate you um, just uh, spending time listening to us. And if you have any other questions, submit them through the podcast, Facebook Messenger, text message, whatever way you're comfortable with. Um, if you have any other questions about mental health, hey, shoot them to us and we'll do a follow up podcast. Um, thank you again, Shelly, for being Absolutely. with us. Thanks for having and um, if you would like to uh, get connected with Shelly, we have her um, contact information. Um, and she is again is through uh, Cabell Counseling Services, and I'm sure you can reach out to her or any of her other colleagues that um, I'm certain are just as good as she is. Maybe not as good as her, because <laughs> nah, she's no, she's pretty best. good. So, um, but thanks for listening, guys. See you next time. <laughs>